And when I perform, the headspace that I go into is just like, I don't care who you are, I'm here for you. I think about like one year in, I started to realize it's not really about the tingles and it's not really about the, the senses even. What we're providing to people up here is attention and care. My mission in making work right now is to make work that bypasses your need to rationalize, analyze, and not having to go through that thinking process just makes the work more powerful. Like, it just makes it more universal. And that's incredibly healing for, for me as a performer, for our guides, and for that person. What we're trying to do, I think, is to take that one step further. That's the opportunity for us to transform people. Hi, I'm Nathaniel Skye the host of the Immersion Nation podcast. Here, the masters of immersive experience create and conjure, muse and imagine the cultural revolution that is unfolding before us. That is immersive entertainment. Welcome. On a humid August night in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, Melinda Lau, co-founder of the genre-creating ASMR experience, Whisper Lodge, took the stage in New York Immersive Night. Melinda explained that she thought of immersive experience as a kind of wellness practice. At that moment, I was sitting in the back of the room, utterly fascinated. Today, Melinda discusses this concept, the transformation economy, and the kind of things that are so pervasively common they fade into the background and become invisible. Enjoy. Melinda, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Sure. <laughs> so to start off with, I'm curious, what is a fictional or fantasy world, if you had to choose one, that you would like to spend some time in or live in for a bit, what have you. The context does not have to be super specific there, but is there any particular world that you would want to adventure in? Mm, my answer is going to be like super <laughs> pragmatic, but I want to be in a world where we didn't invent plastic because I feel so anxious every day now, like, all the microplastics and our environment dying. And I just wish sometimes that I don't have to have that burden to keep worrying about that. Oh my word. That is a phenomenal answer. I'm incredibly excited to come back around to that. Um, <laughs> is, so on that note, we will wrap back around to that specifically um, in the mm -hmm. make it immersive segment there. However, that does actually open a really good door to go through to get this whole thing started off because I'm really curious about what initially drew you to textiles, which as a medium, mm. which kind of, am I correct in saying was your principal principal medium before moving into immersive creation? Yeah. Yeah. So I've always been an artist and then I went to art school in London from coming from Singapore. So one of the first things that I got exposed to was just this history of women's work and crafting and sewing and knitting and it was so foreign to me because Singapore is a tropical country I grew up 
without experiencing the four seasons and without like fluffy warm clothes. So when I first got into art school, I was just super drawn to the materiality of textiles there and just the like soft fluffy things that then became so important when the winter came. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's definitely something that I guess is kind of ingrained in culture that does do experience winter and kind of a different variety of inclement weather. Yeah. And I was just like also drawn to the whole, like, um, the nostalgic element of it that to a lot of my friends, it, it was almost seen as like, ah, oh, that's an old fashioned thing. Why are you doing this kind of like granny thing? But to me, it was almost like exotic because I've never exposed myself to that before. No, that makes a lot of sense. And that almost kind of plays into what I'm reading as a bit of a kind of, I guess, attraction to somewhat rebellious varieties of art forms, given that <laughs> you also then incorporated that into some guerrilla art um, as yeah. well, which I thought yeah. was wonderful. I, I saw or the um, replacement of the gatepost on the campus there in London. I just, just like struck me in a certain way. I was like, oh, it's kind of great. Yeah. I used to be a lot more playful than I am now. <laughs> I used to dare to do those things. Um, but I also found it to be like, just very, um, my personality is also one where like, if you just meet me for the first time, you'll probably think I'm super introverted. And, and I am, I am very quiet. I take a long time to warm up to people, but then after you get to know me, then I, then I'm like crazier. So I quite like that, like textiles and like soft plushies and soft toys have this very innocent, um, appearance, but actually they can be used for more serious things and used to invert your expectations. Yeah, yeah. That inversion of expectations, I think, is something that makes a lot of sense in the context of your immersive work as well. Um, <laughs> so I could definitely see that that thread or that piece of yarn, perhaps, tracing back mm -hmm. through that. Ah, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> so from there, insofar as the inversion of expectations goes, I think the idea of a transformation economy, which is something you touched on very briefly um, at the New York Immersive Night there. I, mm -hmm. I was curious if you could elaborate a little bit on that and talk a little bit about what your what your thinking is around the transformation economy and kind of how that's how that's evolved and kind of developed as opposed to, say, the experiential economy or other other things that people might be more familiar with. Yeah. So like the the whole thing about the experience economy is not new. Like when you look at the books written about it, they always raise examples like Disneyland, Starbucks. It's about retail experiences that provide people with like a setting and not just like a shelf that they take products off of. And what we're trying to do, I think a lot of immersive uh, creators are trying to do is to take that one step further um, there's always this thing where people say like they want to like cast you in the show and that's what like the big shows like Sleep No More and all that do. They allow you to have some sort of agency to affect the narrative or like agency to go around and, and make decisions sort of within their story to affect the narrative. But I guess or, like, my take on it is somewhat different. I always like to story. look at things from but the perspective of your senses and your body. I always like to... And 
look at things my from the perspective thing, of like my mission like, in making work, work right now is to make work that bypasses like your need to rationalize, right now, analyze, interpret. Coming from the visual art world, I have a lot of issues with contemporary art actually. Coming because from I think that people world, no longer are able have to stand in issues from contemporary art like actually an object and just like people think no longer are appreciate it. And when we do waste a lot, like, we like physically touch you, like, um, appreciate it. alter your sense of hearing. And when we do, we do things lot, that we like physically um, touch you, cannot deny um, your brain cannot um, deny because your body is just reacting to it. And that's why I feel um, like you cannot deny your brain opportunity because your body is just reacting to it. That's the opportunity that's for us to transform people. Opportunity yeah, is most definitely. And it makes a lot of sense that instead of, you know, kind of expecting someone who is engaging in or consuming some type of art to to go to that person rather than expecting that person to do the work of kind of the introspection that would be standing in front of a painting and kind of considering mm-hmm. or considering its context and trying to understand in that way. But yeah. I have to wonder, like, is that maybe pushing in the, I don't want to say wrong direction because I feel like there is so much, there's so much importance to what immersive experience is able to give to people. Uh But in so far as having the experience do more of the work and then taking some of the onus off of the, off of the participant. Uh do you feel like it might be almost spoon feeding people too much? And this is something I haven't actually thought about before. This is just something that your perspective there kind of brought up as a question. I think maybe like, I definitely don't think that this is like the only way forward. We, we need like very experiences and all different kinds of immersive work. But like why I'm think why I've, I, I'm like thinking in this direction is because like my family actually back in Singapore, um, as much as they support what I do, they're like not really art people. They don't like going to museums. They don't really like uh, appreciate the fine arts, if you will. And so I'm always trying to think of it from their perspective, from a person that like doesn't like art to begin with or has never been to the theater, think of it from them. Not having to go through that thinking that, like, process like art to begin with just makes the work the theater more powerful. Not like having it's to go just through that more universal. So that even if I go through the thing and I don't like the story, I feel like it's like physical, like so that almost like a reaction in your body, and I don't like the story. I still get this like, and I also think that this is not super reaction in your body. The reason why people go to theme parks and get on roller coasters is because you get on it and then your body produces adrenaline when they flip you upside down. So it's kind of borrowing that same thinking and just making it more like less of a roller coaster and more like a drawn out longer experience. Yeah, most definitely. And I think you're completely right insofar as it not being a new thing. It's like a way Mm -hmm. to kind of capture that, like speaking to um, your some of your early experiences at um, arts festivals in Singapore and that kind yeah. of festival environment setting where the air is kind of electric. It's just it's something that's been around for so long in various forms. It it's okay. just now kind of finding its voice in a different way, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. 
you can transform people in different ways through story, through through the senses, through that kind of like festival environment. It's yeah. just all different people approaching the same problem from different ways. So speaking to transforming people in different ways, one thing that I was very curious and excited to kind of uh, ask you about is just the idea of immersive experience as a wellness practice. So, <laughs> so before, before I like jump into that with any preconceptions, like where, where did that line of thinking come from for you? For me, it's because like when we made Whisper Lodge, our goal in the beginning was just like, oh, let's see, we can do this online thing in person and let's see if we can trigger the ASMR tingles in people. Oh, let's see, we can do this online thing in person and let's see if we can trigger the ASMR tingles in people. I started to realize that like, hey, it's not really about the tingles and it's not really about the like, your the senses even what we're providing to people here really is about attention and care really about the, like people like, come back again and again the because even in those one-on-one scenes that you had and care. our guides are like really just like placing 100% of their attention on you and they're doing activities that are very much our guides are like really in service to you like brushing their hair on you very gently like touching your hand very much and as also performed in it like a lot of times and when I perform very gently, the like touching your the headspace that I go into it's just like, like I don't care who you are I'm here for you and when I perform, and that's incredibly the, healing for the headspace for me as a performer for our guides like, I don't and care for the person I'm here so for then you. that's when I started and that's talking about healing as a form of care and then talking about how I think it's a wellness thing also so then that's when I started talking about there's a there's a variety of connection that I think is to some degree becoming rarefied in our culture right now Mm -hmm. that I think is something that people definitely find in immersive theater, whether it be something that is like Whisper Lodge or something like, say, Sleep No More. Very, very different experiences in so many ways, but there is this kind of common element of care and connection, I feel like, um, that can be found with I think for for like Whisper Lodge, the, the care and attention is like far more directly uh, communicated. Like we're literally there with you and we're alone with you. And but I think for other shows like Sleep No More and like just, I, I feel like a lot of immersive fans can relate to what I'm about to say. And like, I have this like strong, strong craving to go to an immersive show and be an audience every once in a while and I would crave that feeling that I get when I, I went to my first punch drunk show uh, I would crave that high that you would get right after you exit an amazing show and I don't think that's necessarily wellness but that's also something that like I experience in my life I just want to go to stuff and be moved and be like affected by what other people present do you have the same kind of feeling for immersive? Yeah, yeah, I really do. I really do. I think that is definitely something that is kind of a shared human experience for people who have discovered and explored the immersive world in any capacity to mm-hmm. some degree. It's yeah. It's incredibly difficult to articulate in some ways too. Yeah, depending on what show you go to, I think that the transformation or like the impact is very different. Like 
um, like if you go to sleep no more, then the experience is very much like communal. Um, you're all chasing something together versus like something more intimate. Your goal is really like connecting with people or, or getting to know one of the characters really, really well. Yeah, yeah, certainly. It's one of those things where it's not just a matter of simple scale in one way or the other, and it's just more or less of that scale. The scale yeah. really creates a very, very different space and different context for the experience. I'm curious what you think of like um, the wellness thing, whether immersive can be considered wellness for you. I think that there is there is a lot in that. Um, my specific take on it is admittedly uh, a bit potentially overly analytical, but it's the idea that um, immersive experiences I've found to have this effect that is I'm, I'm referencing though. I'm sure it's much more complex than this, but I'm referencing as the suppression of the default mode network, which Mm -hmm. is the part of your brain that, it does a multitude of things, but it is kind of thought of as like the seed of identity. And through the suppression of that part of your brain and through the suppression of identity, you're able to kind of lose yourself into a shared experience more than having an individual filter that say, you know, just observable art, um, Mm -hmm. inevitably, inevitably, has as part of it yeah i think that makes a lot of sense i often find that when i'm in an immersive experience i get to like be someone else yeah yeah exactly and it's like it's like the idea of when you lose yourself a little bit you're able to kind of break some of break patterns that you might not normally do so and so of course you know there are the extreme examples of negative behavioral patterns, whether that's addiction or something of that nature, but even, even things that are not necessarily that insidious, just habits that you might not have noticed that you might be okay with or might not be one way or the other, but something that is oftentimes very hard to get external or any perspective on. Um, And so I think in that, that is where I see a lot of the potential for immersion as a wellness practice. Yeah. So would you be down to transition into the Make It Immersive segment? Yeah. Wonderful. What is the Make It Immersive segment? (laughs) So. We take the aforementioned um, fictional world and kind of just play with the idea of what it would look like to turn that into an immersive experience of some sort. Oh, nice. You know what? When I was thinking about that answer, I was literally thinking about like making it into something. So this is great. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. Time. You're beating me to the fudge here. It's wonderful. <laughs> so typically people will like give like the name of a book or a movie or something. So I'm really, really explored to or excited to um, explore this this much more it's like general but more specific at the same time yeah and so what what comes to mind 
insofar as how how you would create that world and not just show it I guess in a direct and literal way because you can you know say eliminate all forms of plastics from a set or an environment that you're creating but also okay. communicate like the deeper the deeper context behind that in a finite space so difficult like to eliminate plastic from a space is so difficult because everything is made out of plastic so maybe the set is just so bare like a black box or white cube <laughs> or like I would almost make it super abstract to make it more feasible yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense and that would then open the door to kind of doing whatever you wanted in that space to convey the the more overarching big picture meaning behind it. Yeah. Or, I don't know, I feel like to like properly think through this, we need to think about where all the plastic is currently. Like in the, in the ocean, in our everyday products, in the air that we breathe even. Yeah. It's just everywhere. It's almost like like if we can parallel it to like radiation or something, it's like that it's visible, but invisible at the same time. And it's scary because you don't know how much you're being exposed to. There's an unknown component to it. So maybe you play around with that too. Like something that's not visible that, that you keep referring to. Yeah. Invisible, but visible incredibly apparent but at the same time so much so that it just kind of fades into the static background okay. that by itself would oh man we can probably do that through like some really cool sound design <laughs> or lighting design yeah yeah like finding some way to create something that fades into the background like that and then finding a way to draw attention to it again and kind of bring awareness to that thing that you had just accepted as part of the world initially without even thinking about it. Yes, absolutely. Oh, that would be so cool. That would be so cool. Yeah. This reminds me of a really, I, I don't, I don't know why this is popping up in my head, but I'll just say it since we're like brainstorming. Definitely. Um, there was once when Andrew and I went to LA and we did a round of ASMR sound baths. We haven't done one. Oh wait, we've, we've done one in New York, but it's basically like a, a sound bath where everyone comes in, they lie down. It's not theatrical. And we, like, for 45 minutes, create sounds with ASMR objects. And also we use, like, some background music and some, like, traditional sound bath instruments. And there was this one time where we cut it so close. For some reason, we went to the venue and I thought he brought the bag of props and he thought I brought the bag of props. Oh, and no. <laughs> People were lining up and they, it was like time for the show. And we were like, shit, a bag of props, like literally everything that we needed to use. Um, then Andrew like got in the car and like quickly drove to our Airbnb and came back. But then by the time I had to have people like in the show already. So this all happened and then we just used whatever we could find in the room. Um, like glasses and paper and and we had some like instruments there then he came in about like 10 minutes into the show with that bag of props and everyone was blindfolded so it wasn't that bad but then he started opening the bag and then we would just take all the items out and use them as we found them and that worked well for our model thankfully like ASMR sounds are all made of everyday objects but then 
we didn't have time to like set everything up the way we used to. We're used to making it super neat. So we'll have like props here, props there. We take them and then we put them back. This time we just like put the bag in the center and took everything out. So at the end of the soundbar, when everyone woke up and they took off their blindfolds, they started in this room that was totally empty and super neat. And then when they woke up, it was this disaster zone of props everywhere, materials everywhere, this giant bag just unfolded in the middle. And then people loved it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. It's like that surprise element like what you say with this, that sound that is in the room and then you only realize it again. Cause like when you move from one place to another, you're expecting a transition of, of set, uh, you know, you kind of have, you know that you're moving into a different world cause you're physically moving. The last thing oh, you expect yeah. the world to do is to change around you yet. It does tend to, whether that be an immersive experience or yeah. in real life. Yeah. Interesting. I like that. I like that. So on that note, I think maybe I should ask very specifically, what is Whisper Lodge for the, you know, one person listening who does not know already? (laughs) Um, Whisper Lodge is a 90 minute immersive experience that takes you through an ASMR spa. And then I have to explain what ASMR is. So ASMR is um, a name that the internet created and in full it's called autonomous sensory meridian response and it describes a tingly sensation that some people get from sensory stimuli and specifically um, there are a lot of youtube videos that are dedicated to asmr and there's a whole community and like industry because people do this full-time they make asmr videos full-time and Whistlelodge is one of the first in the world to try to do ASMR in real life. Yeah, yeah. And how how did it come about? How did the inception of this this concept that really is quite different from anything else come mm. come to be? What what was the inspiration there? So I have to explain this from both my point of view and Andrew Andrew's point of view. So Andrew Hoffner is the co-creator of Whisper Lodge. Um, so I have always had ASMR all my life, even before it was named when I was a child. And I would never be able to express it up until I started getting, like I had, I got my first phone and then I started looking on the internet for random stuff. And then I found ASMR and then, at that point, for me, it was a huge change because I always thought I was super weird. I would just get these chills sometimes from real-life experiences or I'd be, like, watching strange videos just to recreate that feeling. Um, so when I found out that this was a thing and other people shared it, it was almost like a coming out or, like, a life-changing experience for me. And then since then, I've been obsessed, and I have also done a lot of research on it. And then I did my whole, like, um, undergrad thesis on it. Then I moved to New York to do my master's, and that was when I went to Houseworld, which is Andrew's first immersive show. So I didn't know him then, but um, Houseworld was this show where you would walk into this house, and every part of the house had a crazy surreal character that was supposed to represent a different part of your psyche. So the whole experience was very dreamlike. And a lot of people who went to his show came out 
telling him that they experienced ASMR and they thought it was intentional. So they were like, oh, I totally get what you're doing. That blah, 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 blah. And Andrew had no idea what ASMR was. Oh, so interesting. When he read the show, he was kind of like looking for someone to talk to about this, to find out more. And I, on the other hand, was like an ASMR uh, person. And I was trying to like get into the immersive world and try to do something immersive because I love immersive theater. So I happened to know one of the cast members in his show who connected us and who told us about this like shared interest. Then we met for coffee and then it started from there. We, um, we tried to find somewhere in New York to go experience this first and then couldn't find one. So we made it. That, that is phenomenal. Some of the best things are always, always created from creating something that you feel like should be a thing that you would like to see in the world, but has yeah. not been done yet. Mm-hmm. That's really, really cool. And so from there, it seems kind of like the experience of creating and performing in Whisper Lodge has sent you on a bit of a whirlwind adventure through the immersive world. From that point. Yeah, it has. And I'm like so thankful to have made that piece at the right time. Um, it's been really, really great, like life changing. Most definitely. So out of curiosity, you had mentioned earlier that you feel like you're potentially a little bit less experimental in the art you're creating or potentially, I don't know, like what, why do you feel like you're less so more than you were at one point in time? Mm, maybe I shouldn't have said it in that way. I guess I, I, at that point of time when I was making my textile things, I was really interested in guerrilla art, like street art, art that you don't need permission to do. But now my, like my medium has changed. Like I really want to make experiences now and that involves a venue and involves cast, involves people's time. And once you get to that point, it's no longer about like me just making a bunch of stuff and putting it on the street. It's like it has to be planned out. There needs to be a budget. So I guess I'm more conservative in that sense, but I'm still really interested in making things that other people have not made. I think that's where I can be experimental. All right. All right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, the the venue component specifically definitely has a has a lot of yeah. logistical back end heavy lifting mm-hmm. applied immediately to it. Um, yeah. So I definitely see that. And on that note, like what what kind of work have you been doing since Whisper Lodge? I guess might be the best way to put that because I know that you've done a bunch of different things with a bunch of different creators and so many collaborations. Like mm-hmm. what has your path been from that point? Well, right now I am an experienced designer at the Museum of Ice Cream and it's a full-time job and Whisper Lodge is kind of running alongside that, like outside of my work. Um, And at my job now I'm leading anything related to experience. So any like human interaction, any possible stories that we tell. And then on the Whisper Lodge side, we are still going, but I think now we've shifted to kind of like, we used to do three or four shows a year. And that's when I was working full time on Whisper Lodge and then like working with a lot of people on the side. Um, Now, because I have this like full time commitment, 
I will probably do whisper lodge once or twice a year. And then we also do like small projects. Um, we, we are open for like companies to reach out to us if they want to do anything related to ASMR. We've done like ASMR consulting or provided ASMR guides for events and performances. So I guess that's, that's where I'm currently at. That's really cool. That's really cool. If someone were to ask you or maybe explain exactly what you're doing right now, like five years ago, eight years ago, what, what do you think your reaction would have been or line of thinking would have been to someone explaining like your current means of exploration? That's really difficult because five years ago, this didn't even exist. Like this job, my title is experience designer and this job didn't exist. And I guess maybe I would explain it like UX, but in real life. Yeah. Yeah. I really I'm like assuming that. You UX five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm pretty sure UX, UX was around at that point in time. I'm not a hundred percent sure. <laughs> Don't know the timeline of that one, but yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So that actually brings up uh, something that my Alice was talking about also at the New York Immersive Night being URL versus IRL. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a big part of her thesis. Like what, what are your thoughts there? I feel so conflicted about it, actually. I feel like that's always going to be both. And we are trending towards more digital than in real life stuff. But I also know that the relationships we make online are real and are like impactful. People find their life partners through apps today and that's super common and valid. Um, But at the same time, I am so addicted to using my phone. I know it's really bad, but I like need to use my phone right before I sleep and then I fall asleep with it right beside my pillow. So I'm kind of like in the crosshairs too, like trying to figure it out. Um, but yeah, I, I know it feels really good to not have my phone for like one whole day. And sometimes I do that. Yeah. It, it's definitely yeah. tricky though. It's definitely tricky. It's yeah. like, we've all kind of agreed that there's something here that needs to have more attention paid to it, or at least more mindfulness or mindful awareness of the technological usage and consumption applied to mm-hmm. it. But it's like, we yeah. picked up this issue and it's, it's this like hot object. No, we have to pick it up. We know we have like some degree of obligation to be holding it and turning it around and trying to figure out what to do with it. But it's kind of burning our hands at the same time. We're like, ah, what's going yeah, on? And I guess like all of these things, it's in the end, it's all about balance. And I think everyone needs to find that for themselves. There will be people who want and need more tech in their lives and people who want and need more like non-tech. Yeah, most definitely. (laughs) It's going to end up being like dieting. Like everyone is like, oh, I don't need this. I don't need that. And they all have their own um, uh, thinking about what's right. And it's just about, you in the end and what you choose. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's no one, one finite balance that applies to everyone, certainly. Mm-hmm. And so figuring out what that looks like in your daily life and what you can do to maybe reset 
pattern interrupt, what have you with things like immersive experiences. I think, I think that's kind of the other side of it too. Like immersive experiences are kind of coming to be this incredibly potent tool to kind of give awareness to that, give a given interruption, a bit of a perspective and a bit of a, I don't know, like a system reset to some degree. Yeah. When I think about like technology and immersive stuff, I feel like it's a really great way to scale something. Um, And I feel like a lot of us are also now trying to experiment how to mesh together like AR, VR stuff with in real life, like performers. And some, some people have done a great job at that already. We just, people are experimenting with that right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, Mm -hmm. they're definitely two tricky worlds to combine for sure. Um, Yeah. So insofar as finding balance, Mm. like there is always kind of that feeling when you come away from an immersive experience, like, oh my gosh, like there's this, like, I want more of that, whatever that thing was. Do you feel, or have you found any way to kind of incorporate some of that feeling into your daily life? Hmm, I've never thought about that. Huh. I, I've never thought about that because I, I didn't think that it would be a sensation or feeling that I could trigger myself. Because I've only experienced that high when I've been to like concerts or it's always about me consuming an experience or me consuming a performance. And yeah, I don't know. I don't think I'd be able to just like feel that by thinking something. Yeah, yeah, fair. That is fair. It definitely is kind of necessarily created by by the environment. Mm-hmm. Which especially I feel like when you're living in a city is oftentimes difficult to have complete governance over. Like choosing yeah. your environment becomes this incredibly tricky thing because the premium on optional environments is incredibly high. The more people are in a given place. Yeah, that's so true. We're like all this desensitized to sound and noise, like all the sirens everywhere going off. We don't realize that until like we go away from the city for a while and we come back and suddenly it's so loud. I can't remember which interview I was reading this, but you were speaking about um, the the way that you kind of look at an immersive experience as more of a holistic thing rather than yeah. very broken down and compartmentalized. Yeah, yeah. What are some ways that you kind of like to expand an experience beyond just the the time frame itself? Mm-hmm. Is there like how did it, or have you seen that done that you find really intriguing in the world of immersion, whether it's something that you've done or something that someone else has done to make a cohesive thing rather than kind of a bit disjointed? I think the coming into the world and exiting the world part is really where people play a lot. And and that's usually what sets the tone. Like some experiences you like get picked up on the street some you arrive, but then you arrive in this like 
uh, like, I'm, I'm trying to like scroll through my brain now to think of examples. Yeah, search uh, the index. Yeah. Um, hmm. Some immersive experiences I've been to, you just like turn up at a car park and you're clearly like outside the world. And then they get you all prepped up and do the safety thing and then you go in. And wait, what was your question again? I think I lost the main question. <laughs> just kind of how how you think about the whole thing as holistic in front to back, whether that, and that could be an example or it could just be generally your line of thinking insofar as presenting something as as a whole in whole cloth rather yeah. than, you know, it being in parts. Yeah. Well, I really like experiences that like start in a very unconventional way. And then like the going in and coming out basically of the whole thing makes you feel like you're really stepping into that magic circle. And then there's a clear stepping out of it at the end. Also, that's when I feel transported. Um, cause I can't go back there by myself. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So there are, there are like different ways to do this. Um, but yeah, that's the, the main thing for me, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. It is that mm. transitionary period that lets you know that you are in the midst of something with someone else or with, with a different world, what have you, that really signals, mm -hmm. signals a change in that way. Yeah. And you're right. There are 10,000 different ways to do that. So that might not have been the, the like most fair question to, to throw out I'm there, but I was like, just curious. I'm like blanking out on the examples. <laughs> Here. Um, so I, I guess I kind of have to ask what I know. Okay. So I know there's only so much that you can say about the work that you're doing with museum of ice cream, but yes. would you, would you be down to share a little bit about what you are allowed to say in so far as everything that you're working on there? Yeah. Um, well, we recently, the company raised um, 20 million in funding and we are about to open a new location in New York in Soho. And it's a really huge building. Everyone, like, the posters are up, so you can go see it. It's uh, right beside Dean and DeLuca, very centrally located. And we have three floors, um, and it's permanent. And the plan is that the company is going to open one new location every quarter or, you know, get as close to that as possible. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's a huge expansion plan huge growth plan. Very, very ambitious. Yeah, most definitely. That is quite the pace. That's incredible. Yeah. And then we also have something new coming up that's not going to be ice cream related. But it's also going to be like a, a new location, like a themed entertainment venue. Um, and that's all I can say about that one. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I found it really interesting that uh, Mary Alice was talking about um, kind of peak Instagram or like the inevitable decline of Instagram because all things come and go as, as they do. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, well she was not the person I was expecting to hear that from, but that's really cool. Exactly. And that's why I was also like interested in joining. It's a lot of it is for that new thing that we're working on that has more um, 
ties to my own work. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. And then is there anything in particular on the horizon that you are excited about the potential of? It could be a specific experience or a nebulous like trend or anything of that variety in the immersive world. Is there anything that has sparked your interest? Like, oh, hey, that's a cool new direction. Mm, Well, I'm really interested in just seeing the whole immersive community grow. Like what they're doing with Leia in LA. I'm not there. I can't participate. But I think that's so important. Just like becoming more professional as an industry and having more safeguards and protection for people doing this kind of work, getting more support from governments, um, from venues, and just seeing how far we can push this, you know. Yeah. The film industry has taken such an interest in doing all these immersive activations. And I wonder what other industries we can break into. Yeah, yeah. That mm-hmm. That's definitely kind of a question that's been hanging in the air for a minute because just the the amount of interest, I feel like the writing's been on the wall, certainly. But, I mean, kind of as you mentioned, Starbucks as something that's thought of as experiential. Like, mm-hmm. there's definitely there's definitely ways that other industries can kind of take the expertise and the, the passion and excitement in the immersive world and create really interesting multidisciplinary combinations. I think right now we're in a period of like dilution of the form, like there, because people are trying all these new things. Like even in New York, there've been like, three, four things that just opened up recently that are a combination of like immersive and retail or immersive and VR, immersive and this and that. And I don't think all of them are hits, but people are trying. So now we're in this space where like, there's just going to be a lot of people doing stuff. Some of them will succeed, some of them won't. And then maybe after one or two years, then we'll reach a point where like it concentrates again, where we realize like, oh, these are the few ones that work. And then we start to really... Like hone in on them and make them better. Yeah. Yeah. Which is very exciting. But at the same time, it's like it there's, you have to wonder about whether or not the industry will then kind of the barrier to entry will go up in something. Mm. I don't want to necessarily necessarily say inherently problematic, but at the same time, at least a little bit regrettable because right now we definitely are at a point where anybody who has had something within them sparked um, because of an immersive experience mm-hmm. can, can find a way to create something. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's a great time to be creating stuff. I think it's, it's like, it's, it's hard and, and easy at the same time. Hard as because like, I, I feel like with Whisper Lodge, like what I said earlier, we like came out at the right time. And then now I've been like, I'm on your podcast. That's crazy. Like for me as a nobody with no theater background, I was able to do that because like the timing was right. If I were to come out right now from a different industry and try to do something immersive, it's just like so much more work because there's so many more players in the industry. And I think in that way, it is difficult because you have to like make something spectacular in order to get attention. Um, But at the same time, there are so many more venues now that are open to it because other people like shops and cafes and 
they want immersive content and programming. So you have far more opportunities to pitch yourself to people, far more grants that are willing to give money to immersive. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Mm-hmm. There's, there's more resources at the disposal of creators who, who do want to try something, which is, mm-hmm. which is definitely the other side of that. Yeah. Well, all right. So where, where can people find, find you, find your work, um, um, in, in all of its various forms and, and such? I guess the central location would be whisperlodge.nyc. That email, I still answer that. <laughs> We're still very small. So that's the way that people can reach me. Just send, send your, your like questions or comments to that main email. Most definitely. Um, and then insofar as, uh, social presence or is there anywhere you're particularly active, um, for either your personal work or whisper lodge or anything of that variety that I can, um, direct people to who are interested in learning a little bit more about all of the, all of the things in your, your wheelhouse, your immersive bracket, so to speak. I'd say whisper lodge Instagram and then. I, I have my own social media channels, so I prefer them to be like private. Oh yeah, so, certainly, certainly. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I've been really bad at social media recently. I know I'm supposed to update like frequently, but I don't. And yeah, I think email, email is good. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. All right. Well, there you have it. And of course, for anyone listening, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this particularly phenomenal conversation. Um, anything that has been mentioned in the show can be found at immersionnation.com slash podcast. And of course, Linda, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Calling all immersive adventurers, explorers, connoisseurs, and artists. The immersive revolution is just beginning. All that is to say, we would love any feedback that you might have on the show. What do you want to hear more of, less of? Anyone in particular you'd like us to have on the show? I would love to hear your thoughts. So please rate us, review us, or just drop us a line on the website at immersionnation.com. I always love having conversations about this wide and wild world that we are both living in and creating. Once again... This is the Emergent Nation podcast. Thank you for joining us in this adventure.